What up, world, and welcome to another episode of Black Nerd Fridays. I'm your host, D. Neal. And of course, I got the whole squad, the crew. Assemble the crew. We're here. It's Suds. It's Mr. Refine. It's crazy. It's perfect blue. Something that if you don't, if you enjoy psychological thrillers, the detective aspect of like who really is this and who really is that, this is a show you must see. Suds, what's going on with you? And it is great to be back. I know I was gone for a while, but it feels good to be back with my with my. Feels co-host. good to be home, baby. I know it feels good. <laughs> it always feels good to be with you guys. So I'm excited to talk about this. This was one that I recommended, um, but uh, I'm excited to see what you guys think about this classic. So mm. we'll see. Mr. Refine, what's going on with you? Man, it's Friday. You know how I do it, man. I'm ready to get into it. I'm excited. We all back together as a crew. We about to have a good conversation about, a, as as she said, classic movie. So, classic. you know, let's do our thing like we always do. And <laughs> and before we get too into it, man, shout out to um, uh, the, uh, was the, the Lost Children of Andromeda. Definitely got these joints. So, you mean the 2052... Beautiful. What up? You know what I mean? I'm telling we after we when we when I when I get through at least one of these joints, we come in and then you got the other one. Zomas. You know, this is nice. Just the name alone is is just cool. And then just the front. That this thing is fire. I mean, that looks like Queen Beryl from Sailor Moon out here almost. A little bit of a little bit of medieval flair to it. Uh so you know how I get down. Let me go a bit back. And you know what we do here. And Black Nerd Fridays, not only just anime, comics, (laughs) movies, sci-fi, and more, but we also love what? Craft beer. Beer. Suds, what you drinking? Well, I mean, I could have done my plug of the beer that I released, but I thought I'd keep on track with themes like I always do. And I did. Mm -hmm. I'm getting running off silver. Now, you may say to yourself, but I thought it was called Perfect Blue. Well, the reason why I picked running off silver is because, one, this is supposed to be an imperial stout made with marshmallows, almonds, and cocoa nibs, right? Barrel age, which means it's going to be dark. And this movie Mm. was dark. And also, there was a lot of running happening in this running from you know where you know where she was the main character was trying to go from one thing to another running from the truth running from her mental state so i thought this would might be actually pretty pretty good to to follow up on or to drink but i would look at let's see what is it this was brewed in queens so queens my new york yeah especially especially after you know, the verses that we had, which was like phenomenal, which mm. by the way, if anybody thought this step was going to, was going to win that, I don't know what y'all were thinking, but I, I don't know what the percent, oh, 12%, just like my there beer. Now, now you're a part of that high <laughs> ABV life. That's what I'm talking about. So that's my about time. No, I'm just <laughs> Is that all you get? That's all you doing today? It's 12%, baby. You got to start off. We're going to get into some heavy stuff, man. You got to start right. off smooth because we might be talking too much, and I don't want beer getting warm. Just saying. No, you need that one warm. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. Mr. Refine, what you drinking? Yo, and it's kind of crazy because I'm I'm doing the exact opposite. Like, this is a classic movie, so I'm going with something light because since this was such a dark movie, and you know, Suds always kills her. She always has a perfect explanation as to what's going on. Man, I'm taking it simple and easy right now. Now, 
Ruby Red, <laughs> don't get it twisted. I got the fire to break out, but I ain't breaking it out until after I'm done because I got some other things I got to do after. But I wanted to take it easy, man. I had that stuff weighing on my mind. It was a heavy movie. It was a lot to to uh, digest. And this is why me and you, was we was all talking behind the scenes. So I'm taking it easy with this coach. But my mind is going to be clear and concise when I'm answering these questions tonight. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? So Andy got you know, blue in the can. Tess didn't want to do it, but I'm gonna do it. You know what I mean? If you don't know, Kinky Says has her own beer. Come on, like what? What are you talking about? Shout out to Oak Park Brewing Company out here in Sacramento, California. Oak Park, this Oak is a 12.1 ABV lemon lemon cielo inspired ale. Okay, this thing when it you, know, you see that when you see that lemon and that cherry and you see Scarlet, the name of the beer. OK, Scarlet, that is uh, that's what it is. It's, it's definitely, definitely hidden. Definitely something that you wouldn't think is 12 percent. It'll get you in trouble. But I still had to. And I, I need it in my life, too. Yeah. So I got oh, don't that. Worry. I you, got you. I got but, you. you know, you already know I had to do it. So I, and then I got this uh, Mega Mouth, a stout from. Alameda Island Brewing Company. This is a nice. 11% stout. Okay, this thing is nice. I had it as a tryout. I was like, I got to hold this until Friday. And then another Alameda Island Fox and Ham. Okay, this is a 9.5% ABV Ooh. Imperial IPA. So mm. definitely going to crack that open last. But I'm going to start. I'm probably going to start off with the stout because it's dark. And then we're going to work our way. Uh, we're gonna work our way up from eleven to twelve, and then we're gonna go down to the nine five. We crazy out here. He peaked, and then <laughs> he's like, "We peak and come back." <laughs> and we got the shirts. You know what I'm saying? The merch. We working on it. You interested? Hit us up. You already know what's going on. And I'm gonna just get into it. I'm, we're gonna Let's go from how we normally do. We're gonna start with our good, bad, and ugly. We got a lot of questions, so it's gonna be like rapid fire with our opinions. We're gonna be dropping bombs. But before we do that, real quick, Perfect Blue is about Kiguri. Uh, Kagoro, I don't even know how to pronounce her name correctly. Kagori, uh, Mima, she is a part of a pop idol group called Cham, which I was like, maybe it's short for something. Uh, <laughs> that group uh, is, is popular. Actually, the show start the, the movie starts off, excuse me, uh, them being at like pretty much like an open day where they got like the Power Rangers, uh, <laughs> Power Rangers on one end of the uh, one end of the park. And then they got the pop idol group on the other end. It, you see a whole bunch of nothing but guys at the, uh, in the audience. Um, but it's, it really just goes, this movie really focuses on, uh, Mima. It focuses on, uh, and a lot of w- when you watch anime in the early nineties, early two thousands, it really talks about a lot of the Japanese people who are not from Tokyo. So they live outside of Tokyo, they farmland or just small villages. And then they come into Tokyo for go to university. They want to be stars. They want to do something else to make more money. Uh, and this really goes down this line of Mima and her aspect of wanting to be outside of a pop idol. She wanted to be more. She's very talented. Uh, and the the agency that she's with, they know that they want to utilize. I mean, they want to push her to get to something more than that, because actually some a lot of the sales of pop <laughs> idols at the time. And this movie was in 1998. Uh, the idol sales were going down. The agency wanted to do something different. They thought she was a star. A lot of people liked her. So it went from there. And you just go through a downward spiral of choices and decisions she made. And then you just got that person in the background. The person who you think the antagonist is not the antagonist. And it's great. So let's jump into that good, bad, and the ugly. And I'm going to start off since she, since, she, she, since she's here, 
Suds, kick it off with your good. Oh, oh, I I think oh, I messed I up. Say, I'm very, I was like, man, my beard looks amazing. Nah, no, I was, um, I was looking at your beard. Hold on, real quick. I was looking at the beard. I was about to, I was about to pick up the beard, and then I just hit the button. <laughs> I'm so used to Suz being at the end. I messed up. Go ahead, Suz. You in the middle? Totally fine. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Um, the good for me, I think, was just this storytelling and a lot of the cinematography that was in it. I mean, they, this is like one of those movies that came out around the same time as Ghost in the Shell. So there were a lot mm. of elements during that time in the late 90s that you would see in these type of films. Right. Um, I think the other thing for me is just this idea that you have a young girl who wants to step out of this persona that she has. And I think a lot of us who have built a brand or are in the process of building a brand and we see a lot of older brands that try to re, you know, brand themselves is really trying to, you know, kind of get out of that shell that you've had before, right? So people have always associated you with this one thing and you go to rebrand, that can really cause a lot of people to kind of fall off or maybe even pick up new people. But I think it's just this idea that although you're rebranding yourself, there's still a part of you that, you know, that that was a, a part of you, right? So you're you're trying to always find a way to, you know, say that I'm growing, I'm evolving. I'm not, you know, kind of like ignoring this old part of me, but you know, I do want to move into something else. I thought that that was really interesting seeing how she wants to move in this direction, but there were so many other forces that were kind of going against that, right. And making her second guess herself. So I think that part of it, I thought was really interesting. And like you said, how they set up the stage really well that you think it's just one person who's really the one who's, you know, causing all of her problems, but in actuality, it's someone else. So I think that that in itself, I thought was really beautifully done. I think that there were hints throughout if you were really paying attention, but overall I thought that was just like a beautiful, it, it, there are some dark parts to it. Don't get me wrong, which we'll get into later. But yeah. I do think that that storytelling that they did, I think was really interesting to kind of push this boundaries of what's real, what's not. And how do you evolve without losing a part of yourself? Mm. Mm. Mr. Refine, before I go, my bad. No, Cheers great. to everybody. You know what I mean? Shout Cheers. out to that high ABV, ABV life. What up, Brick? Shout you know out to the little ABB life today. Yeah, right. you, got, you, got, you got the dark joint. I got the dark joint. You know, it's all good. Mr. Refine, go ahead. Talk your talk. Listen, um, I, I'm not going to be as eloquent as my sister was just now, <laughs> but I'm going to say this. When I watched that movie, it was very nostalgic. I mm. loved the animation on there, but I really loved watching them walk around with CD players. Yes. The old school headphones and stuff yes. like that. That right there brought me back to a certain time frame. And when I thought about it, it reminded me of um, psychological thrillers during that time frame in the 90s, whether it be Silence of the Lambs, whether it be uh, mm. Along Came a Spider. Oh, yeah. It just yep. brings you in that certain mind state. And this this specific movie, it did that for me. So I was in love with it. I liked seeing the old school first generation Mac, like just everything about it. Oh, man. To a certain mental space. And I enjoyed it thoroughly, the whole thing. And like I said, I had a lot of questions because. It was a lot of stuff going on. And to be honest with you, I'm going to have to watch that joint again because it's some things that I'll probably pick up differently now after watching. Man. Right? Right? You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, I was <clears throat> I was so focused on Mima and just the interactions of herself and what she was going through. And I, and that's really my good is how they the director of this anime, of this anime uh, the creator, really focuses heavily on decision making that Mima does and and how 
even though she portrays herself in one image to her agency and to the people around her, on the other hand, it's this person that's like very conservative and and wants to and wants to just do something to to make herself feel more than just I'm just a singer. Uh, and it's a lot of things in the in the show that really um, really exacerbate just the psyche that she's in when she's doing things to be different uh, and to not be just what everybody wants her to be or protect her and say she's uh, she's a pop idol and she should we should keep her safe when she wants to step out and take risks. Uh, and those risks, uh, calculated or not calculated, had an effect on her that she had to deal with. And I love how the director and the creator really just focused on her. You had a lot of other outside noise, but it was really her situation that really made it happen. So with that, Suds, let's go into, let's, you, know, you know what? Let's switch it up. Mr. Refine, let's go into your bad. My bad, honestly, was... um Watching the uh, the stalker, something about him was off to me, and I know we're gonna kind of get in details with him, but I, didn't, I really didn't didn't like him. I hated the fact of the way he looked, like he was very disfigured, and I don't know if that was something that actually happened to him physically, or if he was born with a with an um a physical defect. Uh, but he was definitely way off, even the distortion and stuff of his eyes. So I didn't like how they you know kept kind of putting him in the spotlight and made it seem a certain way, and I'm gonna kind of keep my opinion on it. I didn't I didn't like him. And I think that personally, it it made you believe something else. But in reality, this didn't happen. So that was my bad on that. It wasn't that mm. really crazy because the movie was mm. good. It was just yep. way too good. Mm. Suds, what was your bad? That part was part of my ugly. And I'll explain a little bit more with that. Mm. Uh, bad, though, I would have to say how fragile her mentor state was. To mm. me, it was like I've noticed in a lot of female characters when it comes to these type of psychological thrillers, um, she's not very strong. And I feel that they really play on that a lot, even with us now being, you know, damn near 30 years past this movie. Right. Um, it was really just how fragile she was. And there was really no one there to kind of help her or at least kind of keep her, you know, kind of grounded in reality. That to me, I think was a little troublesome because when you think about celebrities as a whole or when you think about some of these pop stars which you really hear on like k-pop how they're really getting pushed to their limits right they have to keep up a certain persona mm -hmm. and so i think that this idea that her growing because we hear about this when you look at child stars that come out of disney mm -hmm. and how they do this major shift to say hey look at me and how they break because of all the pressures that are going on with that. Right. And even Kanye just said recently about, you know, be careful of what you let your kids watch. Right. The media really puts in these subliminal messages and you hear a lot of stars that have come out and said that, you know, they had a lot of things happen to them behind the scenes that really made them question, you know, do I even want to still be here? Right. Mm -hmm. So he said, you hear all these things that are happening and they, I think they did a good job in trying to highlight that. But it was just very sad to see in my eyes just the fact of she really had no one. It was sad to watch. And just the fact that even with her knowing what she wanted to do, she wasn't strong enough to kind of keep herself going. Right. So to me, that was my bad uh, with that. And now I'll, I'll save my other parts. So the ugly. Mm. <laughs> Man, that's crazy because <laughs> I really don't. I really don't have a, a bad, which is a surprise to me, but I really, I really just didn't have a bad. Like I, I thoroughly enjoy what was, what was going on. I do agree with the suds that um, the aspect of Mima and her reluctancy to um, really 
either seek seek help or want to isolate herself too. And that's something that I, I, I pose in the question. Uh, it, it, she she wanted to, she wanted to not be. She didn't want to be wrong. She, I mean, I think even was even one scene, and maybe I got this wrong, where she her mother called or something like that, and she finally picked up, uh, had a conversation, a quick conversation with her. But it was more so of like her mom was just so focused on her being the star. So I really think it was, yes. was oh. more of it was more of her not uh, being able to just be Mima, her uh, yeah, Krigo, thank you. I always want to say it, try to say it the right way. Krigo, Krigo, uh, Mima, she wanted to be that with, with, especially with her mom. And I could tell that conversation was really quick. So, I mean, I really don't have a bad. So I'm going to just let Seth going straight into the ugly. Uh, cause my ugly is, my ugly is pretty, pretty plain, but let's, let's go ahead and go with that. <laughs> so I'd have to say one of the things I do want to build upon is what Mr. Refine himself had said, where it's about the bad, the drawing of the stalker. To mm. me, I've noticed and any time they try to show any type of bad guy or some guy who's a stalker in a movie, they really have them look, like you said, disfigured or some yeah. type of like ugliness to them. I get what you're trying to portray, but you can do that ugly side of them through their actions, not necessarily yes. through what they look like. And so for me, I've noticed that when you talk about you know, how certain types of characters are portrayed – it's like when you think about the hunchback in Notre Dame oh, right, or Notre, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, right? How he was portrayed in such a way where he was just always kind of picked on because he was disfigured. And you could tell that this guy really lived an isolated life, right? Um, but it was also just, and he was so, he, you know, because of that isolated life, he really focused in on her because he felt that there was something there, right? So he really became like kind of blinders on on her. But I do think that some of the drawing styles of certain characters, even with her friend Rumi, we'll talk about a little not, bit later not her friend were, her, her uh, part of the agency but go ahead part of the agency <laughs> but i think she viewed her as a friend because yes. they would have some heart to hearts right yeah, that's true. um but i do think that sometimes they would also and you notice with her drawing as well she you know she was kind of always in the background she was a little overweight right and she wasn't really listened to no one really listened to her so i felt as though they really were playing up on these these stereotypes and tropes mm-hmm. that to me i'm like i get it it was in the 90s but we still see that type of stuff happening in movies today and yeah. shows today. So to me, I, I felt that that part was ugly. I think the other thing that was really ugly for me was just this idea that in order for her to break out of being a pop star into a movie star, that they kept pushing the boundaries of what she was comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And we all know yes. what scenes we're talking about. So like the photographer. Yeah, that was after, that heard, was after the, the other scene. Right. And I'm saying, so we, we already know, <laughs> With that, and we've heard so many stories, right, yeah. with photographers, and like you see that she's not comfortable, but they're like, oh, it's going to be edgy, and all this is plastered out, like full on, and so there's nothing that she can hide anymore, right? Oh. And then they also push this whole scene on her where they had to do multiple retakes, oh. and I think the craziest thing about it for me in that scene where they were, you know, simulating a, a rape scene is that the guy who was doing the act kept saying, "I'm so sorry." Right. Like he even knew that the scene was was messed up, Yeah. but they're doing it for a paycheck. And so she yep. has to sit here and and say and pretend that she's comfortable with it. So I think in this case, and you've heard I've heard of other stories, too, where you have female actresses who, you know, have gone on and done a movie. And there were just certain scenes that they would do. And they said they just felt so dirty afterwards. Right. Mm. So 
you know, these type of scenes of, you know, there's been movies that have implied that rape has happened, but they don't actually show the exactly. act. Exactly. I'm, I'm but the fact that you have a lot of movies that feel as though we have to be edgy and they do these long scenes, like one movie in particular, Irreversible, which mm. is like had one of the longest rape scenes, I think, in history of nine minutes. It was like, what was even the point in doing that, right? Like you, you can already kind of set up the scene. You don't need to actually show it. Yeah. So for me, that was part of the ugly part, but I felt as though at that point they had pushed her to such a point that she was like, why well, I feel like I have to in order to be a movie star. Right. That's mm-hmm. the only way people are going to take me seriously. And to me, I was like, well, why must she go to great lengths to be taken seriously? And we hear that a lot when it comes to minorities, to women that you have to go to extra lengths to even be considered serious or to be considered worthy of being in those spaces. So to me, that was a part for me that was really ugly. Mm, to, answer, to answer that question, or at least from my perspective, it was to, oh, you're a pop idol. You're going to you don't you don't you can't deal with difference. You can't deal with risk. You can't deal with uncomfortability. And I, I'm glad you mentioned that with uh, black people, people of color and, uh, and, and black women in particular of like uh, black people in particular of like, are is everything going to be uh, uh, are you going to be sensitive to every comment or is everything going to be? A, uh, a issue and things of that nature. So I really got that, especially on the photography scene after she literally as an actress did a rape scene and she had to deal with that again in her isolation, but then go, the, yeah, and then yeah. go to the photographer and the photographer was like, Oh yeah. But he didn't say that he was going to show all of those. He was just like, these are just pictures that were taken. And mm-hmm. so when she saw how he's, how he laid her out almost, I mean, not almost as a playboy well, magazine, yeah. Then she lost it, and it was like because that's not what he said. And I, and a lot of uh, not a, a lot of female, uh, not only actresses but models are very wary to this day of photographers because photographers make you feel comfortable because they're attempting to get a shot. But if you don't know who they who if you don't know them or you don't have control of the and I don't know exactly Content. what they call the, the negatives or the the uh, the actual all the photos to look and see which ones you want placed. It's happened to a lot of people. It's happened to a lot of big entertainers and I, especially women. And I'm definitely glad that you mentioned that. So, Ren, what's, I mean, Mr. Refine, what was your other? <laughs> um, I'm going to kind of jump off what y'all was saying, too. But excuse me. More so um, watching it, I kind of got the idea of how she was easily influenced by social media pretty much which wasn't social media at the time at that time yep yeah call having a page and which a page that she didn't create but it was a page about her and she was influenced by the comments on there and how we are ourselves drawn into that just like um subs was saying kanye west like you know be careful what you let your kids watch the same thing applies to adults how much internet social media stuff Mm. can you deal with before you decide let me check myself out and Mm. deal with reality because she was so lost in that that she yep. eventually started to have issues, which we're going to kind of expound on later. But watching it, it just related currently to society so much. None of that stuff changes. The things that these pop idols, et cetera, go through, they go through it. They're still normal people. They go through the same issues. Yes. we do. But the difference is they're fighting with trying to keep this fame up. And if one person tells them something negative, that really bothers them, especially depending on the person. So I thought that's very brutal, but I also understood the honesty of it. And I definitely think that it's something that we need to talk about and discuss more just as a people and something that we go through every day because 
the everyday person is looking at their Instagram or Facebook and like, oh, this person is not liking my stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they feel yep. away. So they got into it. And I thought that was ugly, but it was real. Yeah. Man, y'all both did some wonderful uglies. Made my ugly just feel like it ain't nothing. <laughs> We're uh, the sandwich. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> but no, my, my, my ugly was just really focused on uh, how the men tre- and, and the agency treated these pop idols, these women. Like for the comments of like, oh, they then once they're not a pop idol, now they're now they're out here doing hoa shit and slutty and being slutty, and it's like, wow, it's like th- these are the same guys, our same the fans, and I mean, hence the the title of our, our of our review today. Um, I mean, how fans <laughs> can create, the, I mean, create the the perfect, I mean, create the per- perfect entertainer. It's like you're 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 putting this person on a pedestal. Uh, but they're still human to to Mr. Refine's point. And you and you act like you have not been through things or or no. Oh, and I, and you hear that so many times. I, what I would have done, and I'm like, yeah, oh. your yeah. hindsight is 2020. Oh, and when you're outside, yeah. and when you're on the outside looking in, it's very easy. And on top of that, the way that she was introduced to this uh this internet, the, the I mean, not the internet, but introduced to the um the, the the chat room introduced to the chat room uh and how she really didn't again this is 98 so like i mean we're we're, the, we're in the last generation before the internet became like where you can be, where you didn't have to worry about dial up and stuff like that like this is something where she was like what is i don't even know what you're talking about what is this yeah. chat room and so that was also another thing with because she is not experienced with this but she has a computer at home but it was more so to do like Document like word documents or something of that nature. And barely and even going, in, she still yeah. Yeah, now she's sure. going into a chat room and like what? And this is all unfiltered. So this is social media. Like this is just even raw than social media because social media has an algorithm that'll push things directly to you. She is literally getting full fledged all Wrong. opinions, no uncut, no filtered, and it's just crazy. And she doesn't know who's on that other side typing it, but because she's already feeling insecure about a what it is that she wants to be wants to be more than a pop idol and it's just really just the men <laughs> in this in this in this movie and they're very subtle like they are not outside of uh me me mia which is the uh, the stalker like because you don't even know his name <laughs> like outside <laughs> of him all the other men are just kind of like background characters that say comments and it's just like wow that's I crazy. comments and, too yeah like and it's just, crazy yeah just judge i mean it's just judgmental to the level of like but you're the one going to the show every time. You're the one who's buying all the posters. You're the right. one who's saying you love her. You're the one who wants signatures. You all this stuff. So that was my ugly. But man, that was a great, good, bad, and ugly. Love how y'all y'all was going crazy on that. That was cool. That made me. I was like, I right, step my game up on that one. So now this one, <laughs> this one is a good question. I was thinking about like, uh, how did the creator of the movie continue to push the focus on Kigori? Uh, Mima and me, Mima, the stalker, uh, while hiding the true puppet master. And I'm gonna start off with uh, Suds, and then I'm gonna go to Mr. Refine. Suds, what's your, what's your what's your thought on that question? Man, let me tell you. I think the biggest thing about this is that when they first show her at the show in the beginning, and you know they do a scan of the crowd, you automatically can see just by how badly drawn the stalker is that something's <laughs> up with this kid. Yep. Off top. So you are made off from the beginning to focus in on this guy. 
And then he's always showing up at the weird places, like when she was getting off the elevator. Yes. And you see him, and then he continues to stare at her in such a creepy way. And they had a picture on the elevator. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's crazy. And it's like, okay, this is kind of creepy with him, right? So you're automatically assuming this, right? And then it's like, when you see the website and you hear all these intimate details, and you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, who, who would know that? I mean, of course, someone who's following her, but... There's other things that, yes. you know, came up in certain conversations that you go, well, he wasn't there. So who who would know this? Right. But again, you're so focused and on him and the fact that she's starting to question because she even said to herself, did I write this? And I don't. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so you start to play into this idea that maybe she is. Maybe she's like, you know, trying to create a, a different persona. Right. To create buzz. because She really wants to be a different person from a pop star. Right. But then I think the other thing about it, too, is that as you start to see her losing touch with reality, yeah. you know, it really becomes hard to say, well, who's really there and who isn't. And I think that part was where they really start to kind of blur the lines a little bit, but they're constantly keeping him constant. Like a lot of other things were being kind of blurred a little bit. But that one thing was like he was always constant, regardless of wherever he was put in, wherever you saw him, he was constant. So mm. I think that was their way of trying to focus in on that yeah. to kind of get you to like look at this and not look at that. But mm. I think overall, I mean, there were things that actually show who the true puppet master was throughout the film that were said by this person. But I do think that overall, they really did a good job in trying to make you look at him through the bad drawing, through constantly having him there at key moments. Yeah. Like those type of things is a way I think they did it to kind of keep the focus on him and her mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. Mr. Refine, what do you think? Um, I'm agreeing with her hundred percent. I don't have no difference. <laughs> I like how they kind of push that, that narrative of him being there. Like when the dude got knocked off of the elevator, he was mm. there. Mm. Um, like she said, his drawing was always very distorted. He was always very disfigured. So, of course, you know, the focus is on him. Even if she has a a performance, he's there. So they make sure that you focus on him being the possible issue instead of it being somebody else. And as far as the alternate person, the same thing applies. So it wasn't much of a difference, really. And they did a very, very good job because the whole time I'm watching it, I'm really thinking that this is the guy. I'm really falling into that stereotypical thing. This is the guy. But it really wasn't that case. So mm-hmm. he did an excellent job on on uh, controlling that narrative and making me believe it was somebody else. Like I'm telling you, I I didn't think it was him, but I loved. Yeah, exactly. How, no, no, I didn't think it was him, but I loved how yes. it was always even when he wasn't there. When Mima mm-hmm. literally imagined that he was there because she saw his picture in the elevator about like watch out for this guy, and he's always there and he's smiling at her, but he's smiling at her because he has this skewed blinded i love you and like she has no idea who the hell you are and like and that messed up it's crazy but but that that to me is like that's what made this this movie like this is probably like the best aspect and why i give kudos to the creator the director all of that like because it made you even though you had those comments if you listen to and i had to go back and actually realize that Rumi was actually a pop idol back in the day but exactly. I only only got only got that because I was trying to find out the name of the male agent because a lot of the male a, a lot of the males in this movie they <laughs> don't give them a name and I love that actually that was a that was to me was a beautiful thing because it was only the director of the movie they gave a name to the 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 CEO of the actual movie production or the show company they gave yep. him a name but everybody else 
that was male, you did not have their name. You didn't you know, know why I feel, them. Go ahead. Go I ahead. feel like it was because they were more of in power positions, right? Yeah. Yes. Everybody mm. else is more of an accessory mm. type of a thing. Okay. So it's like, you don't really need to know their names. I mean, sure, you hear what they're saying, but they don't really make decisions here, right? So right, to me, right. I thought that was pretty interesting. I think the other thing, too, is when we'll talk about a little bit later with Rumi, it's just when you start to pay attention to certain things that she said, how she responded to the rape scene, how she responded to the website, how she you know, reacted to her wanting to do acting in the first place. There were things that made you kind of like, you know, she was really kind of like, are you sure? Are you sure? Like mm. she was really trying to keep her, you know, in this little box. And, and you know, our main character, the pop idol, was like, I don't want to do that. And she's like, but, you know, what about this and what about that? And I'm like, you know, it's really interesting when you when you think back on certain parts of it, if you were really paying attention. But, yeah, it was it was interesting how. And I think the, the biggest thing for me with the puppet master, Rumi, was just that how she played on the people, on the insecurities of the pop idol and the stalker. Like she yeah. really fed into that. And that to yeah. me bothered my soul so much because it was like, <laughs> you knew exactly who you were setting up for this. Yes. Like you knew exactly what buttons to push. Damn it, such you're going past and beyond the question. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But no, that that's how good this show was. Like was. No, no, seriously. Part. That's how that was that. the most messed up part for me for the puppet master. That, she knew exactly what to put, and, push. And that's what, and that's what I love about it. So let's go on to the next question since Sus jumped into it, <laughs> but it's not the one that were you thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How did the lifestyle of being a pop idol exacerbate the paranoia of Kigori Mima? And I'm gonna start off with Ren. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of obvious. It's pretty, pretty much the same thing I touched on before. Mm-hmm. She's trying to live up to a certain persona, even though she's still who she is beneath it all. Whether she's getting the phone call from her mother saying, hey, I want you to be a singer still because your uncle still buys 20 copies each time they release. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, right. Just all of that stuff. None of that mattered because she still has this this idea of who she wants to be and to live up to. So once she's trying to do that and those certain events are happening, like the chat room, et cetera. It's really, really adding to her paranoia, it's adding to her her fear of, oh, what's going to happen next? Who am I going to become if this doesn't go right? And the whole yep. time, let me be quiet. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she, she did that herself. I'm just going to say that, meaning that she allowed herself to be manipulated into this state. So mm-hmm. if she would have turned off that chat room, got out of that, that website and stuff, and just focused on being, quote unquote, the actress instead of the, the idol, from from Cham and stuff, I think should have been just fine. So I ain't gonna get too much in detail. I'm gonna leave that up to Suds. Suds, where you at? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say straight on you too. You saw her, you saw her mouth. She was like, I'm ready. <laughs> mm. So I think the thing for me is how they portrayed the pop idols in this movie. Yes. They portrayed the pop idols as perfect little ladies mm. that we're here to make you happy. That's yeah. what we do. That's all we're here for is to make you happy. And to me, it was like, okay, cool. All right. So you make these cheery songs. You're up there in these cute little outfits. Cool. Okay. All right. Cool. But when she wanted to break off from that, right. The thing for me was it was already, it was already painted as a negative. Mm-hmm. So even before she saw the chat room, there was already chatter about, well, why are you leaving? You're leaving us. You are neglecting us. And she's like, no, I want to go pursue other things. It's not about you. So there was already that first level right 
I think the other thing about it is because she was struggling to uh, to establish herself as an actress, but then she hears of her two former partners or you know you know K-pop uh, partners that they finally got on the charts. Mm-hmm. Something that they were never able to do as a trio. Mm, yeah. That I think added extra pressure to her to say, well, damn, maybe if I stayed a little bit longer and was a part of that song, maybe I could have been bigger. So there was that. And then there's also this thing of the type of movies that she was choosing to do and how everybody was pushing for her to get more and more time. And she's like, can I just do this slowly? Let me work into it. They're like, no, you are Kate. You came from pop. Yeah. You should be getting more lines. And she's yeah. like, okay, cool. I'll do it. But then they're trying to force her to get more airtime than what she was ready for. Mm. And then because people liked her because of who she was and people were interested in what she was doing, that forced them to say, well, let's push her more and more into the spotlight. So I think that whole idea of trying to keep up with the popularity that she had gained as a pop star and they were trying to recreate that as an actress, I think really put a lot of pressure on her. And mm. there was always this constant pullback of, well, you, you know, when you were a pop star, you didn't have to worry about this. Like it was all these things are always kind of reminding her of that. And that's why I think when her alter ego had popped out, she was dressed as the pop star, not oh. as her, oh. as a pop star. And it was there to always taunt her that I'm the real you. This, what you're doing is not you. Mm-hmm. And that I think yeah, was you're, really you're a slut. You're this is not right. what pop stars do. I mean, that was just right. that was vicious. And that to me, self telling you that, damn. Right, and that to me, I think really played into how society puts women when they start to go into their sexuality. Like she may have in the beginning may have been very comfortable with doing that scene mm. because she's like it's just acting. But because of the fallout that came out after it, and then the pictures, I think that in itself made it where she didn't feel so comfortable with it. Right, mm. and the fact of how everybody was responding to it like oh my god this is so jarring and it's like anytime there's any and even if you don't have something as violent as that scene but just the idea of sexuality we see this with cardi b we see this with megan Thee stallion we yeah. see this with every female rapper that's out right now they start to rap about anything sexual and oh my god is it viewed as the worst thing ever but we have seen in rap for years men talking about how they have been with so many women mm-hmm. No one really bats an eye at it. It's cool, right? Yeah, and we see no, this even let, in our let, own. Let's says just you say know? it. Be vulgar because this is unfiltered out here. They talk about I mean, like, like my dick. They talk about right. how big so, my I mean, dick so is. Like, like, we, we just keep on it. <laughs> right, but that's the thing, right? But like we all can probably name a few lines. Hell, we probably even rap along with it, right? But it's like that right. to me, right. there's just a double, there's this double standard that comes with it, right? Mm. So when a black woman in particular starts to come into her own and even just you know if you think about women and in particular black women as her, as she starts to come into her sexuality it is viewed as such a taboo such a taboo mm-hmm. and so i think in this in this thing which she was wanting to become an actress you have to do scenes that are more dramatic that may be where you're a killer mm. and you came off as this pop star but you're being yeah. portrayed as a killer and you're like, that's so different. So I think for her, when she wanted to explore these other parts of who she was and really get into the craft, it was always second guess. It was always made to feel as a weird dirty. Mm. And so I think that that's what really helped to kind of build this paranoia of where she was like, am I doing the right thing or did I screw myself? Right. And that I think was so sad to see that no one told her you're doing it right. That maybe we should scale it back. Let you go at your own pace, go at a slower pace. And they didn't do that. They didn't do that with her. See, the well, industry is not designed for that. It's designed more of we need you to be this right now. Yep. And I've never seen a case in any industry, movie, anything behind the scenes where somebody's 
going to say, no, you need to step back unless it's somebody's right hand man or right hand mm. uh, woman. Yep. Now, yeah. the only thing I will say, I didn't see her doing, I didn't see her doing lines of coke. I was expecting that to pop up. <laughs> I knew. I was expecting drugs to come up next. Seriously. Didn't see it happen, but go ahead. Go yeah. ahead, D. She was, she was no. using the internet as her drug. She was right. using the chat room as her drug. But really, to the to the question as far as how the idle life exacerbated her paranoia, I mean, she was living alone. And one thing that really shook me was that you are literally being seen by people on a daily basis. Like... And it's not a matter of fact, because there's a lot of artists, uh, movie stars, entertainers that will be on the subway with people or the bus with people or anything of that nature. The difference is, is because, again, this could be my my bias as, as a male that she's in a she being an idol star and, and experiencing, especially in the beginning of the movie, experiencing these three guys who are throwing cans and trying to disrupt the show. And this is not nothing new for her. And that's one of the reasons why she wanted to get out of being a pop idol, because it was like just exposed to all these men and their their own grief or whatever it is that they have going on. It was like just being alone all the time, going up to the apartment. And a lot of people are looking at her because they know who she is. And they're not they're not like it's not a respect. It's not being respectful as far as like I love your music. I love you as an artist. It's more so of like, oh, that's her. And like, I won't talk, I won't say anything to her, but I'll stare her down. And I know women go through this a lot when it comes to just them. And we're talking about, she wasn't like, I mean, she didn't have on like the, the, the biker shorts and anything like that, but they just, the way they looked at her, she didn't know if they're looking at her like as a prey, like I'm about to sexually assault her or, or was it more of like, it's just like, they just enamored with her. And so that was really crazy. And I think that played on it. And then on top of that, just this just this aspect of being ready at all times to please, as Sud says, these men. And that's one thing that I think really just exacerbated it on top of the choices that she made. But I won't go too crazy uh, as Suds is done and as, <laughs> as Ren has agreed to, as Mr. Refine has agreed to, because, you know, we don't got that much time. So I'm just going to start hitting out on these other questions. But that was a good conversation on that aspect right there. Now, how did Kiguri uh, Mima fall victim to her own drive to be more than a pop idol? And I'm going to start off with Mr. Refine. Yes. <laughs> 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 yes. Like, this is a hard question. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to keep going back to the same thing because if you watch it, it's listen, this is this is our reality, right? When it comes to being a star, you have to learn when to check out. She didn't mm. want to. She didn't yes. want to learn when to check out. She wanted the fame. She wanted it all. Now, maybe when it came to being an actress, she wanted to scale back possibly. But at the same time, she's like, you know what? Fuck it. I want I want this so bad. I'm going to push it to the next level. Mm. So none of that mattered. Everything went out the window. It wasn't, it wasn't a reason for her to scale anything back. She did it to herself. It's so bad to when the illusion came out. Mm. Who caused that? You did. Because mm. like she said, I'm talking to you as if you are not the real you. I mm. am. So she brought it along. She brought it upon herself, man. And I can't really get too much deeper than that. It is what it is. Uh, mm, suds, mm. suds. Where you at? You know, I partly agree with you, but I also feel as though society as a whole kind of put her into that position where she has to. Because think about it. When you, when they tell you to be career driven, mm. Right. If you yeah, are not seen, right. If you are not seen as a go getter, then yeah. do you even really want this? 
Mm. And we all fall into that because you're like, no, damn it. I do want this. I didn't go to school to do this or I didn't put in these long hours just to have somebody else take this position. Right. Or to take this job. Right. So you fight for that. Right. And the Mm -hmm. problem that I see with it is when you're coming at it from a minority status Mm. as a woman or as a minority, when we think about people of color, in particular blacks, okay, (laughs) you are constantly having to do more and more just to get the same type of opportunity. And even then, the door still gets slammed in your face. Mm. So I don't knock her for wanting to push herself to get to that point because no one took her seriously because she was a pop idol. No one gave a shit because she was a woman, Mm. right? And so clearly she didn't have a support system anywhere. Her mother, her mother wasn't even sitting there checking in with her properly. (laughs) She said because her uncle was buying CDs that you should, you should be saying, Hey child, how are you? And you two have kids. I don't have kids. Mm. And you're like, if you see your kid pushing themselves, a part of you would say, I'm proud of you. But at the same time, let's check in. Mm. How are you mm. doing mentally? My mom, how just, are did you doing that. Physically? My mom just did that yesterday. Mm. And, you, and look mm. at you, both mm. of you are grown. Right. And if you have a good relationship with your folks, Right. Right. Or anybody that you see as a mentor or as a father figure, mother figure, they're going to check in on you, whether it's an Mm. aunt, uncle, somebody else. They're going to check on you and they're going to ask that question. How are you doing? And you say, I'm fine. Mm. They're like, no, how are you doing? No one stopped to do that with her. Right. But it was because society pushes this idea that if you do not push, you do not you do not deserve it. So for me, it was like she fell into it because she had no one. And when she looked into herself, which was that that other persona that was saying, you ain't shit. It's mm. like that was what it's like. That's basically what it was telling her. Right. Man, and it so was hitting her. all cylinders a day. See you how fire right now. Like, think about it. When you there were scenes where she was running after this other persona. Yes. And the other persona is so carefree. And that was what was so messed up for me. Like mm. this persona was just carefree, floating through life. And she is literally struggling and gasping. She's running. Mm. Like, she's running off after something that's not <laughs> even there. That's a fact, Suds. That, damn, Suds. Drop <laughs> the <laughs> mic. Drop the mic <laughs> on them, Suds. Like, drop them. <laughs> but no, that is, that is, that, that's what I felt as, as well. Like this. This whole thing of not being the 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 village girl or the country girl who comes to Tokyo becomes a pop idol and like that's it. Like she wanted to be more. And and I I love the fact how she um, loved the actress who she was in the sh- the movie with because she was like she's a great actress. Like she can just turn it on and off. And I want to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that she had inspiration. What I didn't like was the fact that she wanted to go so far away, removed from a pop idol. And that also ties into, again, the paranoia of being a pop idol because of the easy access that the men had at these shows and things of that nature to her and her group, uh, Cham. But on top of that, it was more so of like, but then at the same time, I want to be an actress. And that actress, the, the movie like the entertainment entertainment business, like going from pop idol to movies, like when someone sees a movie, they can watch it over and over and over again. Listening to music, they're hearing the audio. Sometimes you may have videos and somebody may watch it multiple times. But a movie, this is something that someone is literally sitting with you as you as the actress or actor for two hours, hour and a half, mm-hmm. three hours. And they are really like analyzing you to a core. Shout out to the uh, to the to the QC. Shout out to QC. What up with you, QC baby? But um, <laughs> uh, it's just 
it was just crazy on that aspect. And I'll just leave it at that because, you know, Suzzy just murdered it. So I'm going to just let it Thanks. be. So next one is uh, how did the stalker, me, Mima, <laughs> uh, skewed blind love for Kigui, Kigui, Mima turn him into a pawn. Suds, I got to go with you. Let's go. Listen, <laughs> listen, what always gets me is this idea that men, and this this is when we talk about dating. Mm. Get into this it, Suds. aspect is always, like people like to try and say that it isn't, but we all know. Okay, like it, it is something that is very, is very present. Like mm-hmm. the first thing you see, if it's if you don't see them, it's usually because of something like your voice or something. But most of the time, it's because you see the person, That's a and fact. your body's going to respond right away whether or not, yeah, this I like this person or not. And to me, with the way that he was drawn, right, like Brand had pointed out, it was very apparent that he was supposed to be an ugly guy. Mm. And we all know that ugly guys or short guys are <laughs> always viewed as less, and this is true. Like That's this is a fact. like. I saw somebody tweet that six feet is too, is short. I'm like, how is that? And I'm yeah. five too. D, so you saw me that's recently. That's crazy. <laughs> like, look, D, you saw me recently. You saw how uh, short I am. Suds, so you're 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 shorter than Jazz. Shout out to Jazz. I am. Man. You're, right. You're an inch Social shorter media, than her. <laughs> let me tell you, but it was crazy, right? Because I'm like, how is six feet too short? So, but like the way that they portrayed him is that he was supposed to be ugly. So mm. he was already probably going through life not seeing. No one giving him play. That's a fact. And he comes across this pop star who is like everything he's wanted. She's pretty. She can sing. She makes him feel good. And then he has this site where she's talking about her life and she responds to him. But we mm. all know that's not her. But mm-hmm. she responds to him. And because she's giving him attention, he feels seen. So to me, it was like that was easy. You played on his insecurities. You played on the fact that he's not really seen. And it was easy. It was written. You hear about this happening with men all the time. Any type of guy, like you hear about the guys who are like, I'm paying thousands of dollars for this lady's only fans because she talked to me or she <laughs> sent me pictures that supposedly are just for me. Mm, shout out to the shout out to the women who do on the only fans. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? And then the people are like, I think that that's terrible. I'm like, but why? Society has put women up on this pedestal that they are supposed to be these objects, right? Yes. And you can't get mad at her for playing off of these when we, the system was set up in such a way, mm. right? Like, to me, it's like men want to complain about women viewing them as a bank account or just a wallet. And it's like, but you guys set it up that way. Like you set it up that Let's way. You talk made it that talk today. Like you made Suzz it where women, it right now, right? Like you made it where women couldn't be in these type of powerful positions for a long time. You couldn't have a bank account without a husband. You couldn't own land. You couldn't run a business. You couldn't do anything without. Hold on, a man. Suzz, hold on, Suzz. Let me let me right there. My mom told me that she like when divorce papers. My they were talking about like the husband has to sign it. This is my mom, and this is my mom. <laughs> and she was like, she dragged my fa- my biological father and was like, you gonna sign these motherfucking papers? And I was like, shout out, my mom. <laughs> More fire. Anyways, Mister Refine, go ahead and drop 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 it. Are you done, sons? I didn't mean to cut you oh, off. Oh, I'm my good. Bad. No, go ahead. Right. No, trust Mr. me. Refine, go ahead. Talk Yo, talk. listen, she smashed on it, man. <laughs> but but hey, listen, as she always does. I, power to you, sister. I'm with you 100. <laughs> percent Fortunately. I didn't have that issue that uh, me Mima did. Hey, man, come on now. So with that, I understand what's going on. No, I'm not tall. I'm an average height person. But when you're talking about (laughs) standards for men and women and stuff, 
Um, men have a certain standard, and we know he was he was definitely subpar. This dude was like terrible looking. He was tall. If you pay, paid attention, he was he tall. was like six five. He had that. Yeah, he had that. <laughs> but besides that, he had nothing else going for him. So he had that, and then again, once he met the star that he was enamored and just idolized so much, she played into that, got him to do what she wanted, and it was over for him. But this happens with people who are not even stars. I know yeah. brothers who pay. <laughs> You get talk what that I'm talk, talk that talk. Spit it. Spit <laughs> it. Damn money <laughs> for something that you can get for free. I'm just gonna say that. Mm. And, hey. I, and and it's it's crazy the amount the things that people and this is men and women. So let me stop. This is men or women. It's crazy yep. the things that people would do to get attention from somebody that you might think is up here. Yeah, everybody put this woman on a pedestal. She wasn't mm. that person. Yes. But if you have normal people who live like that. This is reality. So he fell into it and she trapped him just like a spider in her web. And he got he got played, man. It is what it is. Happens every day. And he and it wasn't even Mima that he was getting played by. Fact. It was it was Rumi. Spoiler alert. I should have said spoiler alert in the beginning of the show. But I mean, just to answer this question real quick, because I'm just because we got so many questions. And it's probably gonna be a little longer episode just because it's like some deep, it, this, be. this this this, be. this movie was really it really deserves that. But Literally, he was not as bad as the the director and the creator portrayed him to be. He was just a person to to Ren's point, to Sud's point, of this guy who just literally got no attention. Yes, he was tall, dude was about six five, but because they drew, because but because of his physical appearance, everybody was like, he's a weirdo. He probably because he never got had friends they could talk to. I mean, even when he was on the computer typing as me Mima, he was in the dark, like it's literally in the dark. Like just just as a stereotypical hacker, like when you see those when you see those commercials, like the hacker is going to get you. They got the hoodie on and they're yeah. in the dark just typing like this. Literally, he was fitting that stereotype. So, so I just bad. so for that, it was just like because he wanted to be closer to her because he felt like Sud said when she acknowledged him, even though it was really just to say, you know, hey, thanks. Like, I'm glad you calmed down the crowd so that they don't go into a riot or fight each other. Like she, he just was like, oh, she likes me or, oh, like I have a chance. And then you get Rumi, the true puppet master to come and just feed him information and utilize his, his, his obsession with Mima to to really just get him. And it was like, I was like, again, kudos to Rumi, like for real, hands down, my favorite character. Hands nah, down, my favorite character, even though I only found that at the end. So, spoiler alert, let's move on to the next question because it gets yeah. deep, all right? Where are we at? We, we we got a lot of questions out here, so let's yeah, get to let's it. it. Now, how did Rumi utilize her experience in the pop idol world to isolate Kigori Mima because she got isolated? She was like zone defense out here. Let's go with right. Mr. Refine. Talk about mm. it. I'm going to put it plainly. She was a pop idol prior, so Mm. She she understood the world. She knew exactly what it was that she went through. She felt those exact same feelings guaranteed. So she utilized that and she's seen these weaknesses and the vulnerability that uh, Kirigo Mima had. She Mm. took advantage of it and used it against her. And if you know, it worked, but it didn't work at the same time. That's a fact. Suds, talk about it. Man, let me tell you something. When she was sitting there in that room with her, when she told her like to help her get her computer set up. Oh, man. And they came across that site. Yes. And she showed her how to get to it, though. She showed her how to click it. Here's the thing. She shows her how to get to it. But then she tells her, don't look at it. 
Because what people are saying out there. Now, you already didn't plant, and I do mean didn't plant the seed mm-hmm. in this girl's head. And you already know she cares what people think. Fact. And she knew what she was doing. Like, that to me, when she so- showed her that, and then said, oh, don't we'll watch it. I'm like, I have seen so many people in my life mm. do this to other people. That when I saw that, I said, I don't get a good feeling about this at all. Mm. Like, Talk about at it. all. And I think that's because of my own personal experiences with something like that. So for me, it was like, okay, so you setting her up for something. I don't know what, but you setting her up for something, right? And I don't know if it was a way to get her to not pursue acting and to kind of push her back to be a a pop idol, right? Or was it something more sinister, right? Because as far as I'm concerned, she really didn't want her to do acting. To me, it was like, you're doing so great as a pop idol. Stay there. Do what you would do what I couldn't do as a pop idol. And so to me, that's what I felt that she was doing at first, like trying to protect her from this. But when you start to see how this starts to unfold on and on throughout the movie, it's like, oh, my God, this is terrible. So for me, I just it it was just at that point, I knew something just wasn't right. That was the start. That Mm. was the start for me. Mm -hmm. She I mean, just keep it playing into the to the buck like kept a short just, to yeah short. <laughs> yeah thank you she just was like she was like straight up you i'm about to i'm i'm a i want you to stay in this character that i want you to be i want you to be this pop idol and i'm gonna do everything to get there i'm gonna i'm gonna murder people so that the ones that cross you <laughs> is like like they gonna know and 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 she literally took every aspect from like the connections of the the, where the photographer was, where the director of the movie, when the, when he came into the set, when he came to the building, like, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it was just crazy. Like, that's all I can say. Like she literally used all the assets that she had from the experience of not being because she got fatter or, and they even draw drew her as like, Oh, the eyes are a little off and all that. It was so bad. Wasn't it? Nice. Yeah. And they drew, they drew her off. So she was like, Oh, as I got older, I wasn't able to be the idol that you could be. She and like was like old and wait, exactly. old and wait. And, and like so the biggest and, thing. And, and so she was like, I, she really was like, what I know what these men want is literally, that's really what the, the pop idol for women and the K-pop thing for women too. And South, I mean, in South Korea is all about what men perceive you as so that men can keep giving you money to show up to watch you perform or talk or whatever the case may be. So, she I mean, you a, got the you got the male K-pop cool. stars now, man. I mean, yeah. and I wait till we got that other question. Yeah, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that because <laughs> I don't even think that is women fans to male K-pop and pop idols. I think oh. it's more the male fans to the male K-pop and pop idols that male male K-pop and pop idols do not talk about. So let's go on to the next question. <laughs> the next question: Do you think Rumi was showing up as Mima, the pop idol, to Kigoi Kigoi? Mima the entire time or was there a specific moment that Rumi made the switch and I'm going to go with Suds on this one yes oh man (laughs) right (laughs) you know I'm asking some deep questions so this is going to be a long episode (laughs) I think honestly that one's kind of tricky because of course I think in one part of the movie where they actually show in the mirror or in that window you see the differences right but I think I think the biggest thing for me is whatever Rumi was telling her, I think that's what fed into that persona, right? So it wasn't necessarily her directly, 
But I do think the things that she said or things that were coming up through that website mm-hmm. is what was feeding into it indirectly. That's my thing. I do think that that's so in, in that case, I would say she probably was there the entire time, but in a very indirect way. That was my take on it. Mm. 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 That was a short one. Yeah, I, <laughs> See, agree I kept it short. <laughs> I agree with you on that, but I'm going to add this. When she um, had that scene and afterwards she went back to the room and stuff and she was the, the whole thing came across your filth. But that mm. was her talking to herself. So that mm. was the, the mental breaking point in my mind which caused that switch. And then, you know, joint came out the screen and it was over. So mm. that was, that's how I felt. It was always there. It just needed a time to come out for that mental, uh, that psychosis pretty much, if you will. And that was it. I, I, I didn't, I didn't think she was there the whole time, but it had to be a transition from when me, uh, when Kigori, Kigori, Mima chased her self, Mima, the pop idol down the stairs to when, uh, to after that, where she supposedly got hit by the truck, uh, and and was at Rumi's, or Rumi was there at her place. I think that's when that switch happened. So Rumi was just being very patient, very calculated, and really just was like, "Oh, she's going, she's going to the deep end faster than what I thought, and this is perfect because I can manipulate her to bring her back to be an idol." But it was the stubbornness and also just the vision of, of uh, Kirigori Mima, who wanted to be more than a pop idol that Rui, Rumi was like, all right, now I got to now I got to take the Now I got to take the the, the kid glove off and it, it's, it's time to get to work. So, that, <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was crazy right there. So the next question uh, was Kirigori Mima, Mima uh, in Rumi's apartment majority of the time. Uh, at the start of her mental breakdown or only at the climactic end of the movie. And I'm going to go with suds suds, man. I, that one there was a trip, yes. right? Yes. Like I yes. was like, uh, you kind of sit there and you're like, I don't, is yes. it? It made you scratch I, your head. <laughs> it did. And I was just like, Oh, cause like when you think about it, there were a lot of things that happened. Like in, like I said, in the very beginning where we show when she was living by herself, she had no one else, right? Like she was living by herself. Mm. But then all these things start happening and you're like, okay, well, her mental break is starting to show. But I think honestly, it probably was towards the end because I think in that case, like you said, she got her to such a, a raw, you know, fragile yes. state. Yes. That to make the final break, she's like, let me put her into an environment that I completely control. Because yeah. now she has no yeah. idea if she's in reality or not. And I think that to me is when she really did that. Because that was like the final straw that broke the camel's back at that point. Mm. That's just my opinion. Mr. Refine, what what you think? <laughs> I think she was in there majority of the time. Mm. Based upon the reaction of how everything went. And as Sud said, she made that switch at the right time, specifically getting her in a state that she can manipulate everything. And, you know, she's watching over and over as the same thing pretty much plays over. And she's like, yo, am I here? Or did, yes. did that just happen? Is this a dream? Yes. So I, I feel like she was there pretty much the majority of the time. And she did what she had to do when she had to do it. Man, I'm going I'm to agree with Mr. Refine, but it definitely was the fish being dead. Mm. When she started to wake up to the fact that she was not in her apartment. And that's for me is where I knew Rumi was there for a very long time. And she just didn't, uh, Kigori 
just didn't she didn't realize it because of the stress she was putting on herself so much that when those fish were dead and they were alive and they were dead that she was like something's not right and and I was even like do you even have fish like yeah. where the I don't even think fish were even in your room like that was it for me so that was just crazy but I'm glad we had to go on there so did you have a different perspective of Rumi's reaction to the rape scene once you finished the movie and how I'm gonna question this before I go to Suds is that Rumi got up, Rumi got up and left, right? Yep. In tears, both of their eyes, tears, right? But as we watch the, sh- as you watch the climactic end and everything, it, uh, to me, I was like, wait a minute, that wasn't tears for Mima, what she's going through as a woman, uh, as an actress doing a rape scene. That was because you, her as an idol and what you wanted the, people to perceive as an idol, she literally just went to the no, no return. She literally just crossed that boundary line. And that's why you walked out. It wasn't because you felt for her, you felt, you felt for the idol. So that's at least my perspective, but I'm going to give it to Suds. Go ahead, Suds. I think it was kind of twofold because Mm. she was herself was a pop idol, right? Mm. And so to me, when you think about a woman, there have been situations where you have seen or heard or been a part of something. And so when she saw her going through that, it was like, it's a situation that she had to go through because she felt that she needed to, it wasn't where she felt she had a choice. Mm. And so I think that, like you said, one, it was now that pop idol persona is gone because you're no longer pure in the eyes of people. But I also think it was like, she was thinking, you have been pushed to such a limit that now, like you said, there's no toy for no part for you to return, even as a person, even as a woman. Right. So for me, I think that's probably why she started to turn up the ante a little bit more after that scene. Right. Because she was like, maybe if I can get her to return a little bit faster, there might be some way to do some damage control. You Mm. get what I'm saying? Yeah. So if I could push her a little bit more to want to leave the space, then we could say it was just a one-off. You know, she didn't really want to do it, but she was forced to. There's ways that you can spin it. Damage control, right? A part of me feels as though it was a little bit twofold, that she remembers her days as a pop idol, what she had to go through, seeing this girl who's really trying to prove herself and has to get put into these situations, and the fact that this pop idol purity persona is gone. That, to me, I think is just... So I, I think my I think her reaction, I didn't get a p- different perspective from it. I felt as though she really did feel for that girl. Mm. But I think there was multiple pieces that were going into it, I think. Agreed. Mr. Refine. I'm I'm gonna say there wasn't really much of a change. Um Sus kind of hit on it where she said that she felt like as a pop idol, she had to go through that at least to make that, you know, as as we say, there's levels to this shit. She had to go through these levels to ascend, to be able to be whoever it was she was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So I honestly don't feel like there was a different reaction from her. I think she felt like it is what it is. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. That's my mm-hmm. thoughts on that. Man, that good point. So <laughs> did Kaguri and Mima really get hit by the truck? Or was it a hallucination? <sighs> Mr. Refine. <laughs> Come on, man. You already know. Man. <laughs> Listen, hallucination. Like, you already know what it was. It had to be. The way everything was played out, the way that, uh, if she was hit by a truck, she'd be dead. 
Let's just call it. <laughs> Bag, especially in Japanese anime, for yeah, real. They they would show the the blood splatter and all over the place. She, hallucination. We just gonna Man. say that. I ain't got to get into depth on that. Suds. <laughs> I'm gonna be devil's advocate here and say she actually did get hit, but. I mean, because a part of me is like, think about it. Wouldn't it be great if she actually did? And I don't mean in the sense like, oh, it's gore, but in the sense of not only was she breaking down mentally, but now physically mm. she's screwed. Yeah. So now you really are a true prisoner to this woman who wants to literally break you to the point where you feel I have no other choice than to return back to a pop star lifestyle. Mm. That to me, I think, makes it so much more scary that if she really ended up getting hit that Rumi took advantage of that. Mm. It reminds me of that movie with Kathy Bates called Misery. Where she like nursed the guy back to health. And then when he started to get a little bit better and he was like, well, I think I can leave. She's like, nah, son, I'm not letting you leave. (laughs) And she hobbed him, you know, that hobbing. And everybody knows the scene with the sledgehammer and the feet. Okay. Crazy. That to me is what that reminded me of. And I just said, Ooh, no. No, I, I, I just don't. I don't think she got hit by the truck. I think that it was just it was just that that moment. I think I think Rumi actually saved her, and then she just imagined that it was like it was over. But that's just my perspective. So okay. let's move on. Uh, do male pop idols go through the same type of traumatizing experience that female pop idols go through? And I'm gonna start off with Suds because she was ready for this question. She was yes. ready. I think they do. I think they do Mm. because there is a persona that you're supposed to put off. So when you think about some of the pop idols that we have had here in the U S you think about Usher and some of the others, right? So he was like R and B a little bit of pop, right. Mm. Or some of the other pop stars that we've had, there's a persona that you're supposed to be a sex symbol, Mm. right? You're supposed to be sexy. So you can't be fat. You can't be, you always have to be this like very like suave, smooth type of a guy, right? Like you always have to be on, always have to be on. And that to me, I think puts a lot of pressure on, on guys. Right. And I think that there's this persona that you have to put off that then women are idolizing. And so regular men out in the world are like, well, how do I get to that? It's like, I don't, I got to look like him. Maybe I can get to that, get women to look at me or have the same type of money that he has. Right. So it's like this idea that you have to go through these things to kind of keep up this persona. But at the same time, you think about some of these pop stars, especially in K-pop, you hear like how they're pushing them to the extreme extent. And a lot of them are committing suicide. Yeah. And you go, well, why is that? Why are you guys doing it? So like they have strict diets strict things like strict itineraries that they're supposed to do. They have to be a certain size. I mean, you look at K-pop and how these guys look, you know, they have them wearing makeup. Yeah. Right? They of makeup. have them <laughs> like lots of makeup, right? They have to have six packs. Every last one of them has a six or eight pack. Every last one of them. <laughs> right. And then there's always the same persona in every single group. There's the real pretty boy. Mm. There's the rapper. There's the bad boy, right? Because the rapper can be more edgy. Then you got the bad boy. Then you got the quiet one. Like there's all these different personas that every <laughs> single K-pop group has every last one of them. And when you look over here in America with our pop stars, right? Same thing. Shit. <laughs> it's the same thing. But usually it's like it's he's a single solo artist, so he fits that, and that's what he is. Or like if they have boy bands, because boy bands back in the day, everybody knows the boy bands from back in the day. That's right. Whether you had 112, 
to your instincts and Backstreet Boys, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there was always the same thing that was with it, right? Always the same thing. And it's like women, you know, they, they say, well, these women have to live up to these physical standards. And it's like true, but men have the same thing. There's the same persona. I mean, look at the actors when they did 300. Yeah. The mm-hmm. amount of workouts that they did for that. And every and, woman and, was like, oh my God. And, but all of, and I mean, all it looked the- great. Yeah, but all of them couldn't even. But all of them couldn't even get a full six pack. So some of that was even sprayed on because because their body because no matter how much they worked out, their body image they just their body just didn't function to where you exactly. So it's like if you if you're if you and like it's it's amazing when you look at how society puts like look at the models Mm. tall right very athletic built right. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Or like the men. If or less. Are on a, or if they're on the bigger side, like if you think about The Rock. Right. And how big he is, like over the years, how big he has gotten. Like he was already a tall guy yeah. and kind of muscular. But when you look at him in later years, you go, dude got really jacked. Right. So it's like there's just these personas that we have of men that, you know, you have to have. Like if you don't have the long hair, then you're bald. Mm. But facial hair. Well, we want clean, like you clean shaven. Like you hear a lot of women who force their their soon to be husbands to shave on wedding day. Mm. <laughs> Sus dropping that heat. So, so, I, I, mean, mean, I mean, we're going to talk about these types of <laughs> pressures. We have to be very aware that just like with women, there are certain types of pressures that are put on men. Where if you're ugly, if you have money, you're good to go. If you're good looking, you can get away with a lot of things. If you're good looking and rich, oh dear God, you are yeah. untouchable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like you can do whatever you want and people are going to just be okay with it. And I think the other thing too is, is that there's always this idea that if you're larger in stature and height, that that means that you're more respected and mm. that you might be a little bit, you know, uh, well endowed in certain other areas, which we all know that that can't be true for a lot of people. <laughs> but then if you add on a bit of race, we all know how black men are sexualized and fetishized in a certain way. We all know yeah. what the whole stereotype that goes with black men. Right. Okay? And we also know that there's also the stereotype with, with white and Asian men, which again, we all, everybody knows it, but come on. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's this idea that you can't be sexy if you're short. You can't be sexy if you're, if you're an Asian guy and for black men, you can't have emotions. You're just, there you're just you a can't have lingo. a small penis as a black man because you're right you can't at, you know? and then people <laughs> laugh at you or you're like if you show any type of emotion you're considered weak so it's like all these things that men mm-hmm. right so it's like a lot of these things that are put out there by society that you know we have to acknowledge that men have these same things you know it may be very different from women but there are a lot of categories that do overlap you know physical push pressures emotional pressures stuff like that mr refine Yo, she summed it up. Like, size is on full cylinders. Yeah, I, I love it. I can't really say much. I mean, you know, it is what it is. You have, you've had not even pop stars, just celebrities in general have committed suicide. People that we assume to be happy. So mm-hmm. you can, you can take that and you make it what it is. We are unhappy, whether it's a male or a female. When it comes to being um, viewed as always being a certain way as a celebrity, it's not always true. So. Yeah, it's the pressures are both. And I and I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna end it with like, man, there's probably a lot of K pop and pop stars who have to deal. I I, mean, I just think about um B2K with Raz B when he was talking oh, about when he was talking about the stuff with 
with uh, or Mar- allegedly with Marion and the uh, and the whatever the Marquise Marcus the manager, Houston man- Marcus Houston and, and the- not a Marion excuse me Marcus Houston and the manager Chris who Stokes. I forgot his name yeah Chris Stokes like that is something where it's like I you think don't want to talk about it yeah I think more of that happens with men uh, as far as not female uh, not female fans but male fans. And uh, I think it, it just happens greatly. And again, it's back to that persona that says is talking about that you have to keep up like you. You don't want to you don't have if you explain that, then you're uh, and you're gay and that's derogatory for you as a straight man or, oh, you yes. let this person you let this person. I mean, even the whole thing with Terry Crews and how he util- I mean, he took that and took it to Capitol Hill. But a lot of people were like, wait a minute, like that's Cruz. That's different from someone who has like who has like women who've been sexually assaulted and like the person is bigger than them or even if they fight back, they can get abused more. So like that is a whole conversation. And I understand what he was attempting to play on, but the reality is, it's like, it's not that simple. And especially for K-pop or pop stars who you're talking about droves of men, not, and we're not talking about men that uh, consider themselves gay or a part of the LGBTQA plus community, but literally are like, oh, I'm a straight man. But for some reason I like you, like it's, it's, that's I think is really untalked about and Ooh. needs to be talked about. So you know, the one thing I will add is like what's Go going ahead. on with Lil Nas X right now mm-hmm. and how he's being very open yeah. with his his imagery and his music videos. And I think the biggest thing for me that I've taken away from that is I mean the biggest thing I saw was someone talking about the fact that well, since he's showing gay men, he needs to educate on HIV. And I'm like, really? Wow. Because um, sounds like sounds like the baby talk right now. <laughs> I'm like, if that's the case, then Usher. But I'm like, the thing that gets me, it's like if that's the case, and Usher needs to educate on herpes. Mm. Uh, we need to talk about the fact of other male artists who are straight who mm. need to communicate on other things, especially when you think about future and talking about how do you raise a child. Mm. Hmm. Uh, we won't, you, we won't, we won't get sex. into that. We won't get into that says because that means but, taking a taking looking at yourself in the mirror. And I think a lot of times to tie into this movie before we get to our last question to tie into this animated movie, it's like the fans put a reflection of what they want to be, what they uh, ascertain to be to these to these entertainers. And reality is, is that these entertainers are people back to uh, Mr. Refine and what he said, like, you got to look at them as people understand that they they not. they they are not they are not these uh, Adonises or these gods that you want to put them on so that you can make yourself feel better for not dealing with your insecurities or your issues. Point. I was yeah. about to use a biggie line, but it's a little too graphic, so. I'm yeah. <laughs> but you know what? But that's the whole point of music and movies, right? Yeah. People view it as escapism. Yeah. Well, Definitely. look at this. I mean, we we got real deep in this in this show. Last question. How does the movie reflect the society currently <laughs> when it comes to celebrities? And I'm going to start off with Mr. Refine because, Suds, you've been taking up all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I think I answered that question pretty much, saying that yeah. we, first off, we put them on a pedestal, right? We already mm. know that. We put these men um, and women on pedestals. And um, when we do that, it makes them believe that they have to live to a certain lifestyle. They have to be viewed a certain way. And in reality, like, you know, in the words of Biggie said, they bleed just like us. Yes. So you are still human, whether you are rich and famous, you still go through the same issues I have. You still got the same 24 hours in a day that I do. Mm. So 
we put pressure on them by saying, oh, we want you to look like this. And you have millions of people telling you in your comments and stuff. Oh, my God, you're so sexy. Oh, you look so good. I wish <laughs> I could do this and that. So it makes them mentally start thinking. And this is how it happens 24-7. I realize when you get older, you don't do the same things you do. And eventually, you're not going to always be at the top. Somebody's going to take that spot. So it's tough, man. And it's it's hard. You have to know how to navigate. And like I said, you got to learn when to check out. And this is exactly why sometimes I relate it to myself. I don't do certain things often. Like I could be posting up beer stuff every day. But I don't because I don't need the comments. I don't need validation of, yo, this is this and this is that. I can just do what I do in my own world because I don't live on Instagram. I don't live on YouTube and Facebook. I live in reality. So celebrities don't have that. They may not have that luxury, but I think they do. So everybody Mm. needs to take a step back sometimes. Look at Mr. Refine dropping the mic on you, suds. (laughs) Listen, I'm going to tell you this. I think depending on what generation you are a part of, that will help you to know where you can fall back onto. And I think that with celebrities, they have always been in a different category, so to speak, right? And now that we have a new type of celebrity, so like most people would be celebrities because they were sports, movies, music, or political figure. Now we have this other category of influencers, right? Like when you think about these different groups of people who are coming up because of content they they created, right? Mm -hmm. Content. And we all know brands, you build a brand, and that's what people will always associate you with. So I think that society and what this movie was doing was just really illustrating the extremes that people have of celebrities. So that when you see this persona, they do not see you in anything else. It's just like when you watch an actor in a movie. Mm-hmm. And you think about actors like um, Lawrence Fishburne, when he did the movie about Tina Turner called What's Love Got to Do With It. Mm. He played Ike to a T. That's a fact. Talk to, to Ike and everything. <laughs> right? Or if you think about, um, what's his name? Danny Glover, when he did Color Purple. Oh. Um, there's certain characters that when you see them, you go, ooh. Or you think about Cersei in Game yeah, of Thrones. Yeah, love Cersei. However, people Beast. would see Lena Headley, and they wouldn't even talk to her at Comic-Cons because they really hated her. And it's like, no, you hated the character, not her. <laughs> it's like the fact that people are so one-sided one-sided right about this makes me say that this movie wasn't such an extreme representation of it like it really it reflected what we yeah. see in society that people latch on to these personas and can't let go so to me i always thought that that was pretty like i thought that was pretty interesting because you see it even now um but it also speaks to the fact that these people are really good at those personas Mm-hmm. They're really good at like Denzel Washington when he did training day. My yeah. guy. Or we did because the airplane pilot movie, like that one was fire oh, too. Oh, flight? Flight. You know, when you think of when you think about these type of movies, right? Like people who play these movies, or like if you ever see Bronson, where you had Tom Hardy who played that character, he actually met the guy who was the most famous British prisoner ever. Like when you watch these type of movies and you see these people get into the characters, or like Heath Ledger, how he did Joker. You get yeah. stuck in this idea like, man, I thought, you know, Heath Ledger played all these like cute little characters in previous movies. And then he plays this really dark role. And you're like, what the fuck? Right. Like you, you really are drawn into that. So I think in this case, they really were 
playing up on that, but it's, it's not too far from the truth. Like it really isn't. And then I think for women, if you're not always a sex symbol and you've been viewed as that, then it's like society just throws all kinds of trash on you, which is like insane to me. It's like, I can't have an off day. Mm. No. Nope. Okay. My bad. Mm. <laughs> my okay, bad. I ain't nothing to say. <laughs> by the way, I had Heath Ledger in my notes too for, for part of my ugly. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to say. Um, let me turn this off because I ain't even gonna comment on that. This has been the probably you know long one of the longest episodes, the but longest definitely episode we did. But it, this is definitely something. I mean, there's so many questions, and I I, want, I really wanted to make sure that we got to all of them. So when you're watching this on the replay, excuse the long uh, conversation, but really it's a very in-depth conversation. Says brought nothing but fire. Mister Refine brought nothing for fire, and I'm just sitting here drinking a lot of beer, and I'm having a great time. So. Again, next week, we got it going down as we usually do. Um, join us every Friday. Like We really consistent with this, and we're really making it happen. Uh, if you don't know, if you haven't been to Craft Kings and you're not ordering the Scarlet right here, you coming need up to soon. get that. Coming, coming up, up soon. soon. We're, working, we're working on that. It's coming yeah. up soon. Yeah, this is 12.1. It's definitely smooth. Definitely something you want to let warm up at times. You know, get it, getting that nice, you know, 70 uh, 70 degrees and get all the different flavors right there. You're going to get a lot of lemon do you, peel. Do you feel uh, like it's syrupy at all? No, nah, not at all. Not at all. But again, we're going to talk about that offline. Uh, this is, again, this is Black Nerd Fridays. Catch us every Friday. It's going down. And I can't wait. Last but not least, before we get off here, I can't wait for The Witcher. Nightmare of the Wolf oh, is going down August 23rd. I'm I'm, I'm so excited about it. We're going to review that, though. We're going to give y'all at least a week before that because Seth is like, do that in September. Like, just give him one day. I'm like, Seth, relax. Relax. Nah. But, nah. <laughs> but we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Black Nerd Fridays. It's Suds. It's Mr. Refine. And I'm your host, D. Neal. I appreciate all of y'all. Love. Shout out to Brick for always supporting us every day, all day. Brick. Hashtag high ABV life. It's a real thing. And Man. we will catch you on the next episode of Black Nerd Fridays. Fridays. Peace. I'm going to drink this last bit of beer before we get off here because it ain't going to cut off.